The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. She's my favorite. Yeah. And uh, she, she's my favorite for all kinds of reasons. It's kind of cool. It's kind of a student takeover weekend thing. We have, I love all you students that are here. Students on Sunday mornings take over the whole front up here. Faith is getting baptized tomorrow after the service, you know. And tonight, you guys get to see Zeke sitting right over here. He's getting baptized at the end of the service. So, students, I want to see more and more of you up front here on worship teams, running stuff, uh, doing the scripture reading, stuff like that. So, if you ever want to get involved in any of that and do some of that on that connection card, uh, do all that. So, Acts chapter 15, find verse 7, and Faith is now going to take it from here. Faith, go ahead. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our our ancestors are able to bear? We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. And so now my judgment is that we should make it not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Way to go, Faith. <laughs> Boom. Way to go, girl. You can, you can go now. <laughs> so what you have here, it, you guys, thank you for being here on Saturday. A lot of you guys jumped in last week. We made the big, hey, we need some people to help out with the kids' classes. A bunch of you jumped into that. But since it's Saturday and it's Saturday night, if I had a better voice, and a better, like the ring announcer voice, it would be that ding, ding, ding. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the showdown at the palace. Over in this corner, we have the holy Hebrews. Over here in this corner, we have the jolly Gentiles. And the holy Hebrews have been winning this thing for forever because the holy Hebrews could tell you, hey, since the beginning, we've been God's chosen people. Abraham, God chose him, gave him his rules, regulations, the scriptures, his presence. He said, that's how you become right with God. I'm going to choose you to bless the whole world. He says, you jolly Gentile fools over there, you can get in on worshiping the one true God, but you have to follow the holy Hebrew way of doing it. Have to do it that way, which meant if you're a woman, just submit to the ritual, laws, rules, regulations, Passover. If you're a dude, you got to get circumcised. Which meant, like, I didn't have very many converts, male converts, to Judaism. They were often called, you'll see in your Bibles, when you read your Bible, they're called God-fearers. When they're called God-fearers, that means we believe in your God, but not that much, dude. And so what we have going on now is that when the, the way of Jesus bursts onto the scene, at the beginning... Just about everybody who's becoming a Christian is Jewish. And since they've been circumcising their babies forever and ever and ever and ever, it wasn't a big deal, the whole uh, the covenant sign of circumcision. Now, some of you are sitting there going, circumcision? I have kids here, and I invited my friend to come to church here, and we're talking about circumcision. You're welcome. It's the Bible. I don't write the mail. I just deliver it. And it's where we find ourselves in the book of Acts. And I don't know why in the world... God chose to say the sign 
of that you're going to be known as my chosen people of circumcision. I could give you lots of reasons. I have no idea why. When you create a world and speak a universe into existence out of nothing, you can make the rules. You can decide, that's what God chose. I have no idea why. But that was the the deal. And so uh, Christianity gets started and everybody's Jewish and it's going all great and everything's fantastic and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden... This Jewish-based faith has an increasingly large number of non-Jewish people called Gentiles. Paul and Barnabas, if you've been here the last few weeks, went out from the Antioch church up in the, it's called Pisidian Antioch, and went out all over the the region of Galatia, and all kinds of non-Jewish people, Gentiles, are becoming Christians and, and so we're going to read about that now. Faith just read to you a really cool section of what happens at this big showdown, the Holy Hebrews versus the Jolly Gentiles. But let's go back and read kind of how we got to this big showdown at the palace. Acts 15, verse 1. While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers, unless you're circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. (laughs) Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. Like, what, what does this mean? The church sent the delegates to Jerusalem, and they stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers. They told them, much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles, too, were being converted. It's awesome. Things are going great here, but we got to figure this question out. Do people, do males in particular, obviously, have to go through the hall, the Jewish ceremonies, rituals, and rules in order to become a follower of Jesus? Or is it faith in Christ and faith in Christ alone that makes that happen? So they decide, we're going to get everybody together in Jerusalem, try to, and we're going to figure this thing out. When they arrive, verse 4, in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders. They reported everything God had done through them, but then... Some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. That's the first five books of the Old Testament. So the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, and we're going to talk about that in a bit, um, vehemently disagreed. There's this big showdown that happens, and they said, look, we have proof of this. Uh, that Gentiles are being converted. And, and so the cool thing is that Gentiles are Christians now too. And everybody says, okay, that's fine. But the people who are part of the Pharisee group and understand something, these Pharisees are not the Pharisees that hate Jesus and wanted to crucify and kill Jesus. They're people of uh, this sect of, of the conservative Judaism called Pharisees. And a lot of them had become Christians but they're still trying to adhere to the Jewish culture, and they thought, this is our Bible. You have to follow the Bible if you're a Christian. And so they, they said, well, you can be a Christian, but you got to get cut. And uh, so this big, this big, long discussion happens. I want you to, if you have your own Bible, your own mobile device there, in your own Bible, I would get that and underline the word where it says, at, at the meeting after a long discussion. This is a big deal We're not going to just snap our fingers, boom, boom, and be done with this. It's a big deal. Uh, 
it's fascinating that Luke takes a whole chapter to talk about this whole issue of circumcision. And we're not going to talk so much about that today, because that really isn't the big issue in question for us here in the 21st century. There's underlying principles here that we have to get after. Um, it sets the trajectory, the decision they're going to make here. Here's the big deal. The way of Jesus is just burst on the scene. And the big question is going to be, how do people get right with God? How do people get right with God? Jew, Gentile, Muslim, Armenian, whatever N you are, how do people actually get right with God? And so they have a long meeting, and they're super excited about it. <laughs> At the meeting, <laughs> I'm sorry, I have this effect on children all the time. <laughs> After a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows. And Peter is, if you picture this kind of like as a courtroom, big courtroom movie showdown thing here going on, he's going to stand up. He's, he's not just an attorney, he's also kind of one of the key eyewitnesses of what God had done to convert Gentiles. Listen to what he says here. Peter stood and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so they could hear the good news and believe. If you want to put a reference thing back in your Bibles, uh, it, it's back in uh, Acts chapter 10, it talks about this guy named Cornelius who's a Gentile, a centurion, a Roman centurion, he becomes a Christian by because Peter shows up and Peter starts preaching to him. And the middle, listen to this, in the middle of Peter, Peter, Peter preaching a sermon to him, to his whole household, the same thing happened to those Gentile believers as happened to the Jewish believers on Pentecost when a bunch of them became Christians. They all started speaking in tongues. Peter goes, Well, that's weird. This has never happened before. And so he says, I was there, I saw this happen. Look at verse 8. God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He made, underline, highlight, bold face in your Bible, that next word, no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. Keep something here in Acts. We're going to jump all over the place in the Bible today. Uh, some of the verses will be up on the screen, some of them won't. You're in Acts, go to Romans, then Corinthians books, then Galatians, Ephesians. This is a theme that they're going to pick up and repeat over and over again. This changed the world. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is, is writing and he says this, Ephesians 2 verse uh, 14, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Here's the thing that's different about Christianity than every other world religion. Every other world religion is predominantly geographically located. It's a certain ethnic group, a certain culture. There's a world religion that kind of dominates there. The way of Jesus is the only one that's gone universal. That guys, there are more Christians in Africa today than there are in America. It's got another side of the world. This, this has gone on. And so he's saying, look, he's made no distinction anymore. 
no longer do you have to become a Jew or become an American or become a conservative Republican or a progressive Democrat to become a Christian. If you're not offended yet, you're, you're about to be. Because um, there used to be this massive, this a big massive paradigm shift that's happening here. He's saying no longer are there the, the chosen people and the unchosen. For centuries of time, the Jewish people thought we're the chosen ones and the Gentile pigs are the unchosen ones. They can join us if they want and Paul and Peter and what the book of Acts is going to tell us is that is done now. There is no longer chosen and unchosen. One, God wants to save the whole world. So he says, why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers? He's saying here, you're not just challenging me. You're not challenging Paul and Barnabas who went out and preached to all these Gentiles. You're challenging God because God has a new thing he's doing now. And look what he says here. By burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear. He says, look, we got direct revelation from God. We have the scriptures. We have all these miracles from one true Jehovah God. If we couldn't get it right, how in the world are these Gentile fools going to be able to do it? We couldn't get it right with all the special things God had done for us. Uh, Acts 13, 39. It's a page back in your Bible. It says there, everyone who believes in him, Jesus, is declared right with God, something the law of Moses could never do. The rules and regulations, that this is, for us, living here in 21st century America, we don't realize how scandalous that was. He just said, there's parts of the Bible that aren't true anymore, is what you would have heard him say. Now, that's not exactly what he's saying here, but you're going, wait, the law of Moses? The Torah? That doesn't apply anymore? What the heck? What's he saying there? And he repeats it over and over again. In Galatians 3, 24, Galatians is the place where Paul had been doing his first missionary tour with him and Barnabas, Iconium, Derby, Lystra, all that. He said, look, don't submit to the laws, to the Torah, to the Jewish rules and regulations anymore. They were good for you. They were like a nanny. They were like a tutor that had to get you up on your feet. You, you couldn't be independent yet until you came to Christ. Now that we've all grown up and come to Christ, we don't need the nanny anymore to hold our hand and do everything for us. You said you have faith. He says you have faith in Christ now. And then Romans chapter 8. We're going to be back and forth to Romans a lot, so find Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is probably the most beautiful literature. Forget about the fact that it's written in the Bible, ever written amongst humanity. It's so beautiful. Romans 8, the first two verses, he says, man, look what God has done for us. It's amazing he's brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Uh, and he says this, verse 3, the law of Moses was unable to save us, not because the law was bad, but because we were because of the weakness of our sinful nature. Uh, and there's other places that says the law just makes us conscious of sin. Now go back here to Acts 15, look at verse 11. It's going to be up here on the screen, so uh, if you guys can get up on the screen for me right now, we're going to read this verse together out loud, because I want this to move, be something you don't just hear me, I want you to hear it yourself. Okay, here we go. Ready? We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. That was weak. Let's do it again. We believe 
that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. In Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, he says it this way. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. Some of you have thought that's how you get right with God. You have to do some good deeds and that's how you get right with God. He says, you'll never make you right with God. Obeying all the laws, all the rules will never make you right with God, mainly because you just can't. <laughs> You'd be terrible at it. By doing what the law commands, the law simply shows us how sinful we are, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes that next phrase is so important. No matter who we are. Whether you're a church person or a non-church person. Whether you, however you identify yourself. And I know there's all the trigger things out there with sexuality and gender all that. It doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter if you're liberal, conservative, doesn't matter if you're an Android person or iPhone person, a Ford person, a Chevy person, or a Tesla person. Everybody wants Tesla cars right now because of the stupid price of gas. I should just stop. Um, <laughs> here's what the whole Bible is going to tell us. Up on, on your note sheet, you should write this down. We are saved by grace alone through faith alone, in Christ alone. Grace is God's undeserved riches. Grace is just, man, God just pours everything out on us. And how do we get it? Not by doing one thing. There's not one thing you can do, look at me, that will ever qualify you to deserve the grace of God. We, do, we get it by faith, by just saying, I surrender. And faith is not just believing that it's kind of true in your head. Faith is going, I surrender my whole life to you. I believe, here's what faith is. That what Jesus did for me 2,000 years ago, what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, counts for me today. His death and resurrection clears my record, gives me his righteous record, and starts to change me from the inside out. And it's in Christ alone. Today, if you're not yet a follower of Christ, I don't mean that you're American and so you're kind of Christian-ish. I mean, no, like, some of you have never come to a place of yielding your life to Jesus Christ and by faith saying yes to him. That's what we're celebrating this weekend with faith getting baptized, with Zeke getting baptized. They said, look, I've placed my faith in Christ, in Christ alone, to get me right with God. I couldn't do it myself. Some of you need to get saved today, get born again today. On the connection card they had you fill out a couple minutes ago, write a note to me about that. Our prayer team will be at the back of the house in a few minutes. And you can go back there when we lower the lights down and sing a couple songs at the end and let somebody just pray with you and kind of close the deal with you and Jesus, some of you need to do that today. You've been hearing the message, you've been hearing it, and you kind of know, well, I'm kind of a fan of God, but I haven't really ever stepped over that line of faith. Today's the day. Some of you have never been baptized as Christians. It's kind of funny, uh, when you read the whole Bible, Paul's going to say that baptism is, for us, what circumcision was back then. It's the initiation right into the body of Christ. It's, it's, it's recognizing that just as Jesus died under the water, was buried and then rose again. That same thing has happened for you. Your old self is gone, and the new you has risen to new life. If you've never been baptized as a Christian, there's no better time than right here, right now, to let us know about that. If you're feeling convicted like you need to do that today, we've even got extra clothes and towels and everything for you. You want to do that today, well, you come talk to me. I'll be sitting right down here at the end of the message. You can come talk to me. We'll get you all set up for that today. 
at this service. Or jot us a note about that on the connection card. And we'll set up an appointment, coffee or something with you, and talk with you about that. And then what's been really fascinating in the last, uh, last few weeks, we've been talking to you guys about who's your one more? Who's your plus one? Do you know that last weekend we had three of your one mores of your plus ones show up here for church stuff last weekend? You guys did that. Just taking it to heart just and saying, say, hey, somebody just come check it out. Come see. Beautiful, powerful, and amazing. They just talked to you about Easter is coming. I'll tell you, our Easter thing, we don't, Easter doesn't just one Sunday. We're going to do Easter for three weeks in a row. Easter for three weeks in a row. You got to come all three weeks for starting next weekend is when the Easter series starts. And then this is a time when people are sometimes a little more open to saying, hey, I'll go to church on an Easter kind of thing, something like that. So you're plus one. Get, get your friends. Get, invite them. Use this as an opportunity to invite people here. Um, one of the greatest rock and roll bands of all time, uh, Metallica, is the title of our message today. You've never heard the song, Nothing Else Matters? Google it and play it. That's back when rock and roll was real. I'm just telling you. But what, what we're saying today is Christ alone. And nothing else matters. Jesus plus something equals nothing. Jesus plus nothing equals everything that you want. So in verse 12 now, they've listened to Peter. We're all saved. Christ alone. Okay. Verse 12, those first three words in your Bible, underline them. Everyone listened quietly. This is not the main point of the message today, but in a world that gets all about questions and issues, maybe some of you need to hear just what if instead of speaking out and all the time, what if you just listened quietly? That might solve about half of the problems in some of you fools' marriage. Sorry for calling you fools, but you are. Um, <laughs> this might help. Listen quietly. As Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. They're getting saved. Signs and wonders, awesome. When they had finished, James... James is probably Jesus' little brother. James becomes a Christian after the resurrection. He has a key leadership position in the early church as it's up and going. Uh, he kind of stands up and does like, like, kind of like a judge in a courtroom, a big summary statement. James stood up and said, Brothers, listen to me. Peter's told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles, take from them a people for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted. Check this out. He's saying, look, guys, you've heard these great stories. Peter was there and saw this happen. Paul and Barnabas have seen this happen here. But I, said, oh, I get it. Stories aren't enough because anybody can make up a story. It's just, that's, that's subjective experience. He says, you Pharisees that are all into the scriptures, a lot of those Pharisees had memorized big chunks of the first five books of the Bible called the Torah. Those scriptures that you're all into, these scriptures that you're all into told you about this told you that someone was going to come, was going to change the world. So he quotes from Amos chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. He says, afterward, talking about when the, the Israelites got sent off into exile to Babylon and Assyria, he said, afterward, I'll return and restore the fallen house of David. I'll rebuild its ruins and restore it so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord. And in case you don't get that, including the Gentiles, 
All those I have called to be mine. The Lord has spoken, he who made these things so long ago. And I, guys, I got a bunch of verses there on your note sheet. I'd encourage you. It's a great little study to do. Go look at the Old Testament, what it says in all these prophets say over and over again. Hey, guys, we, we've been chosen by God, but that, exclu- that chosen by God isn't exclusive to us. God's choosing the whole dang world he wants to be saved. He chose the nation of Israel to display his glory through so that the Gentiles would see it and go, we want some of that, and I'm going to restore the glory of this fallen nation, and the restoring the glory was not the temple being rebuilt, was not the the capital building and the palace being rebuilt. You know what it was? It was Jesus showing up. That was the glory of Israel shows up there when when Jesus shows up so that everybody could be saved. And then what he says uh, in Joel, chapter 2, verse 32, so that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, not just the chosen few. Everybody who places their faith in Christ can be saved and be made right with God. And so, my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Guys, that is one of our key values here at Crosspoint. The longer you're a Christian, you'll see complacent, apathetic Christians, Americans who go, we got to raise the bar. we got to make it really difficult and hardcore. We're hardcore for Christ here. Baloney on that stuff. We should not make it difficult for people who want to become Christians. And like, we have to raise the bar and raise the bar to make sure we want all those complacent Christians here. I want all the complacent Christians we can get here and then kick you in the butt and say, let's get going here. But we're not going to sit there and raise the bar way up here so that just the solid, the few, the core, all that kind of stuff. That's dumb. Let's not make it difficult for people who want to come to Christ to come to Christ. It's why we have a Saturday night service and a Sunday service. Guys, we could fit all of you in our Sunday service right now. We want to make it easier, as easy as possible, for people to come to faith in Christ. And then he says, instead, we should write and tell them, these Gentile believers scattered all over the world now, to abstain from eating foods offered to idols from sexual immorality, from eating the meat of strangled animals, and from consuming blood. For these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city on every Sabbath for many generations. Some of you looking at that going, wait, what? So we don't have to keep the laws anymore, and he just puts some laws down, right? See, when, when he says you're not made right with God by obeying the law, he's not saying, well, just do whatever you want then. He is talking about the idea of, hey, when you have your cultural festivals and they're in honor of all these false gods and they're worshiping false gods there, can't do that. You don't go to worship false gods because it's a cultural event. Now, what that looks like and how that looks on our culture, that could be a different thing, a little tricky to figure out. He also talks about sexual immorality. Abstain from that. Now, our culture has been Christianized-ish and there are some standards out there about in a marriage and in relationships about sexual immorality. Now, anymore, you guys know that, that thing, that sly, it's the, the standards lower and lower. Every generation seems to be a little better at being naughty when it comes to sex and marriage and all that kind of stuff. In the Gentile world of the first century, the idea of sexual purity and sexual morality had been like, Psh, it didn't exist. And especially in a patriarchal society where men were in charge, Men, I'm going to be careful here, we have children here, could do whatever they wanted with whoever they wanted, whenever they wanted. And there was no morality to it. So they had their wife and 
other stuff they would go do on the side. They, be careful here. They, they did all, I mean, we think, let me tell you, put it to you this way. We look at ourselves in 21st century America and go, oh my gosh, our, our morality is terrible here. And we are the seventh grade girls softball team compared to the immorality of first century. I mean, it was just bizarre. The, the idea that the body's made for pleasure and pleasure for the body. Why would you deny yourself anything? So everybody just did whatever they wanted with whoever they wanted. It didn't exist. He's going, hey, you Gentiles out there, we got to get some things straight here. And so he put some laws, put some limits on that in terms of faith in Christ, what that means. He also talks about then butchering animals and being sensitive to culture. He said, look, there's some things too, he says, we're going to ask you not to do. And that may not be a right or wrong rule. But come on, you're going to be around Jewish Christians. Be sensitive to the fact that you do some stuff here that might be fine for you to do. I'm going to ask you to, to hold back on a couple things there when it comes to don't strangle your animals, butcher them, is what he's saying. There's lots of other things we don't, we don't want to go into because we could get all sucked into that. That really, anybody here wondering about whether you should strangle or butcher an animal in order to eat it? Nobody thinks about that anymore at all. First century is a big honking deal. What I want to talk to you guys about is, you'll see it there on your program on the note sheet, is beware of the two headed monster. And the two-headed monster is called legalism. Legalism. You know what's fascinating about legalism is legalism works to straighten everybody up. Threats and obligations and duty and you have to do all these things. It'll make you guys behave a lot better than you do. Uh, I wouldn't have near as many counseling appointments if we could just be legalistic about everything. Just beware of it. Uh, This is why Luke spends all this time recording this for us, because he could have just recorded a quick little summary of this, but he wants us to go, oh, people made right with God. Here's the two-headed monster. The, the first one, the, the first uh, head on the monster is, is this. Salvation is achieved, not received. Then in order to get saved, you have to, something you have to achieve. Now, we just spend a lot of time talking about that. We don't achieve that. We don't, one thing we can do to get right with God. So he has dismantled that. But the other one that, that it kind of creeps in everywhere. Like, like some odor that gets into something. You go, what is that smell in here? And you can't even see where it comes from. You don't even know the source of it. The second head of legalism that's dangerous and evil and terrible is this, that personal boundaries should be universal. That person, my personal boundaries apply to everybody. And here's how it looks. It's when you'll hear people say things like, well, there might be a Christian, but probably not a good one, because good Christians would never. Real Christians would or wouldn't do or not do certain kinds of things out there. Now, the tricky part about that is is that there certainly are some things, there are some absolutes when it comes to doctrine and morality and behavior. I'm going to put this diagram up here on the screen. Uh, Rudy Ramirez uh, found this for us. These are directive communications here. So good. There are some core things as Christians that are absolute for us. 
doctrinal things about the scriptures, doctrinal things about the deity of Christ, heaven, hell, the Holy Spirit, all, all of that, absolutely. There are even some morality and behavior things that are like, boom, those are core and central. Now, sometimes, well, what applies to us today and what applied to just people back then in that day? That can be a tricky thing to figure out. One way to figure out is to actually read the Bible, and you'll see the number of times that Jesus doesn't lower the bar on the law of Moses. He raises it. Matthew chapter 5, he says, you've heard it says, don't murder people. I say, if you're angry with somebody, you've committed murder. Sexual morality, how you handle money, conflict, all those, all those. He says he doesn't lower the bar, he raises it. So there are some things that are, that are absolute out there. But in our 21st century world especially, we're not fighting and arguing and getting nasty with each other over absolutes usually. You know what we get nasty about? Is the picture still up there? Put it back up there again. What we get nasty about are convictions, opinions, and questions. Things that the Bible is not crystal clear about, but boy, we know somehow, <laughs> some way. Uh, we took some time to, to look at these, and I just want to quickly go through these. This is, uh, again, I want to be careful. Not, I'm not trying to be intentionally offensive or step on anybody's toes. Uh, I want to do this with a, a sense of gentleness, because I know some of these things can be very tricky for some of us. Uh, Convictions, opinions, and questions. The little phrase back when I heard people talk about it when I was a kid, and I don't know if they were making fun of it or this was actually their motto. It was, we don't smoke, drink, dance, or chew, and we don't go with those who do. Can't smoke, can't drink, can't dance, can't do any of that stuff and be a Christian. Uh, there's people that say you can't be, have tattoos and be a Christian. They actually have verses on this from Leviticus and stuff like that. Th those are kind of crazy because uh, just a few verses before or after the thing on tattoos, it forbids you from having pepperoni pizza or a cheeseburger. You can't mix meat and dairy together. So I was like, well, then what do you do with that one? But anyway, um, <laughs> issues of modesty and fashion, that can be such a, such a moving target. And so you have personal standards for yourself, for your family, and think, well, they should always, be, everybody should do it this way. Back when I was a kid, I got raised in the late 60s and the 70s. The big controversy in the church back then is all these hippies are becoming Christians was this, and you remember this, can men have long hair? Now, that's not a thing at all anymore. But there was really, a, there was a massive sermons, a big controversy about if you're a Christian, are you, can, can you have long hair? And if you do have long hair and you're a Christian, you're probably not a real one or you're going to go to purgatory or something. I don't know. Um, entertainment choices, what you do or don't watch. Even things like books like that, that are triggering for some people, like the Harry Potter books and things like that. For some people go, mm, that's a lot of occult stuff in there, and I don't know if we should be permitting or allowing, or what's the standard on that? These are, again, not absolutes, convictions, opinions, and questions. Holiday traditions, which holidays should you or shouldn't you celebrate? And if you change Halloween to Harvest Festival, is it okay? Dressing up in costumes and getting candy, different deal. Um, Easter and Christmas traditions with, you know, all the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus and all that. And I, look, I'm not going to get all the details of that today, but I'm just telling you there's people have strong convictions, opinions, and questions about that. The ones that are probably the, the hot button issues right now are things like, um, can a real Christian or should a Christian uh, support a company financially who has things that they disagree with? Should we boycott certain companies because of what they believe and the values they're putting out there. Uh, and real Christians, good Christians, would actually never go to this or never shop there and do that again. 
Um, and then politics. Real Christians, real good Christians, could never vote for or must always vote for this person or this proposition. And so it's a litmus test on who you, where you stand politically. And guys, we live out here in this, a lot of conservatism out here in this little region that we find ourselves in. I'm telling you, the liberals are just as lunatic about this as the conservatives are. You go to liberal places in our country and they're the same way. You can't, there's no way you could vote for that or back that proposition or do that kind of thing. I'm just telling you, it's out there. And so we have these laws and we have these, get all up in arms, all riled up about convictions, opinions, and questions and try to make what is personal for us universal for everybody. That's an evil, ugly, legalistic monster. And the reason we do this is because for some of us, some of those things that are out there, even if the Bible isn't crystal clear on it, it's just personally offensive to us. We just don't like it. Guys, I'm telling you right now, there's some things that I'm not going to even tell you what they are, and if you come and ask me about it, I will not answer your question. That I see some of you doing that I go, what in the world are they doing? How in the world could they call them? Stop. Because it goes through my head all the time. Here, I've about some of you here at Crosspoint. It's just there because it's just personal. Like, it's just such a personal issue for me, or sometimes it's because it was very harmful to me in my past, either before I became a Christian or sometime in my life, I saw what alcohol did or what gambling did or what certain shows did or what certain work things, I'd, whatever those things were, it was so harmful to me that I have these personal standards now. And, and here's the deal, guys. I want to tell you right now, look at me for a second. I'm not saying that having real strong convictions and opinions about issues that are not crystal clear in the Bible is a problem. Some of you probably need some of those. Some of you probably need, uh, God's spirit is gonna say, hey, for you, pal, you shouldn't be doing that. That's gonna make a mess of your life. Uh, over in Romans, over in Romans, the book of Romans, if you're ever getting kind of confused about some of these issues about, they, they call them sometimes, they're not black or white, they're, they're the gray issues of like convictions, opinions, questions like that. Romans 14 and 15 is just, don't watch YouTube or a blog on this. Read your Bible. It's so crystal clear. Look what he says here. At the end of Romans 14, uh, at the end, uh, verse 22, you may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Please, don't tell us. Uh, Don't have to tell everybody about it. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it, for you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. Now, you know what that means? That means that some of you in here should never drink alcohol again, and some of you should go out tonight and enjoy a good Pinot Noir or whatever at a winery. You know who's, good question, question is, 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 is uh, drinking right or wrong? And the answer is, yep. Some of you it's absolutely wrong for. And there's certain things that you have to be super careful about. Nothing wrong with having personal boundaries and some of you need them. That's probably good for you when God's Spirit's going to probably convict you and encourage you to have some other lines out there 
to protect you from getting too close because if you get too close to it, it jacks you up. It's one of my personal boundaries and fences. Now you tell everybody they have to do this too. I had people who have um, almost, imp- they, they, they talked about the fact that their marriage was gone and done because of alcohol several years ago. Uh, and so for them, when we get up here and talk about the fact that Christians can enjoy, they can't get drunk, but they can enjoy alcohol, uh, a beer or wine or something like that. They're just like, how can, what can you say that, Steve? Because look what alcohol did to us. I go, yeah, but you can't impose your stuff on anybody else. Romans 14 talks about this. Romans 14, 1 to 4, the big issue back then was about food offered to idols and stuff like that. Another issue in verses 5 uh, to 9 talks about certain days are more holy and special. Again, in the Jewish calendar, a lot of these, these churches now have Jews and Gentiles together. So which holy days and festivals do we celebrate? Which ones are holy and we need to do all the time? Which ones do we not have to do at all anymore? And which ones can be flexible in terms of how we do them? What he says, and look at verse 10. How we respond to people have different, ish, different opinions and convictions than we do. Verse 10. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we'll all stand for the judgment seat of God. Scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me, and every tongue will confess and give praise to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God, so let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. This is, uh, in your Bibles, Put, the, put down the, the reference, 1 Thessalonians 4.11. I'm going to put it up on the screen here. It's out of the message translation. Yeah, just, it's so succinct. It's stay calm and mind your own business. Stay calm and mind your own business, especially on convictions, opinions, and questions. Mind your own business about stuff like that. Just be calm and quiet and just have your own personal stuff. Nothing wrong with that. Just don't impose that on everybody else. Here's, when it comes to your boundaries, things you feel mm, about, or your freedoms that you feel like you have on some of these issues that aren't crystal clear, absolute in the scriptures, write write these things down. Don't impose them and don't flaunt them. Number one, don't impose them on other people. And the scriptures are going to tell us, hey, be careful, don't flaunt that on everybody else. Look what it says in Romans 15. When when you flaunt your freedom in in an unloving way. We who are strong who have freedom to do whatever we want, we don't have all this, these rules and regulations and bound, personal boundaries, must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. We should help others do what's right and build them up in the Lord, for even Christ didn't live to please himself. We're oftentimes, as Christians, with great freedom, not called to flaunt our freedom, but to at times restrict it. At times say, hmm, that I'm in a group setting right now. Like, for example, if you got a guy, a dude, girl, whatever in your life, and they got a gambling problem, you shouldn't invite him to Pachanga with you. That's not nice. Other restaurants to go to. Again, you know somebody that struggled with alcohol at your small group thing, at a dinner party, whatever. Maybe I'm not going to order wine or whatever. I'm going to restrict my freedom because that's just a triggering issue for them, and I don't want to, by me drinking enable them to go, well, my small group leader can, or the pastor does, and so maybe it's okay for me to do too, and then I cause them to stumble and fall and implode themselves again, because they can't have a sip or two. 
It jacks their whole life up. Guys, we could talk over, there's a million different applications of stuff like this. As the band comes up, I'm just about done. We are saved. We don't just get saved, we stay saved. The whole dominant muscle of our life is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Some of us need some boundaries. You need some boundaries that maybe aren't even specifically listed out in the scriptures, but for you, some of you need to get rid of the internet at your house or on your phone because it's making a mess out of your life. Some of it's because you're just on it too much. And some of it because the nonsense you're looking out there and messing around with is going to wreck you and wreck your marriage and wreck relationships. So don't impose your boundaries on other people. They may be just fine not having your particular convictions, your particular opinions about those kind of things. And then what Christ is going to tell us to do is often we're called to restrict our freedom for the benefit of somebody else. Now look at me for a second. I never restrict my freedom for a tightly wound legalist who's just walking around going, nee, 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 nee. that guy, I'm going to go light up a cigar and go get a glass of wine, and I hate both things. Because people that are just out there drawing the little litmus test going, you shouldn't do this and this and this, and they're judging people, those people got to be put in their place. But that's not most of us. Well, that's a few of you. I know I've seen your social media posts. But um, we're going to sing now. Our prayer team is in the back of the house. You don't pray for anything today. Let it, go pray with them. Some of you need to become Christians today. Go close the deal with Christ today. Go back and say, Steve talked about that. I just want to close that deal, make that official with Christ right, right here, right now, today. And we give you a chance every week to come and receive communion. It's a bread, piece of bread and some juice that symbolizes the body and the blood of Christ. And that's why it's, it's not obedience to the rules that gets us right with God. It's Christ and Christ alone is what we declare when we come to those tables of communion today. So Jesus, today, in this place, God, the stuff that I said that just needs to go away, would you just, stuff that needs to land, we need to wrestle with, by your spirit, just do whatever it is you need to do right here, right now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.